Hi, Matt. Hey, Jackie. What's going on? Well, I am trying to watch a bunch of movies I've never seen. Do you want to know which one I want to watch next? I'm almost afraid to ask. Go ahead. You should be afraid because it's about a very scary shark. It's Jaws. What? No, no way. No, you've never seen Jaws. No, I have never seen Jaws. I I guess I also don't really have a fear of swimming in the ocean, which is a good thing. I really don't actually know what it's about. I know like, okay, baseline, all I know is shark terrorizes town. Like that's really all I've got. So what what gave it away that it's about a shark? Just got to <laughs> <laughs> Um well, I'm going to go with literally the one movie poster that I've seen, which is like right. the bloody shark mouth yeah, thing. Yeah, so let's talk about that poster for just a second. <laughs> I really want to talk about that poster because it is truly one of the most iconic movie posters of all time. I would agree. Yeah, so like I remember when I was like first getting into movies when I was like 10 or 11 years old, they, this was around the time when a lot of like the old Hollywood movies were having like their 15, 20 year anniversary. So they were releasing like these big DVD sets or in my case, I didn't have a DVD player yet. This is when DVDs were still new. And I had a bunch of these like two VHS sets. I had one of Jurassic Park. I'm pretty sure I had one of like the original Planet of the Apes. And I had one of Jaws. And one of the other things about these special editions, they always had like these, this cool new box art, new cover art, but the cover of Jaws has remained consistent since its inception. Uh, there has never been any need to change the cover of Jaws. That is such an iconic poster and a, such an iconic image of the shark swimming up towards the swimming woman. That is just, it's, it, it tells you everything you need to know about the movie. Almost. Oh, well, almost. Okay, well, apparently I need to go watch it. So once I watch the movie and apparently develop a fear of sharks, I will let you know and we'll talk about this iconic piece of cinema. I cannot wait. Welcome to Jackie Watches Stuff. This is a podcast chronicling my cinematic quest to finally watch the movies I probably should have already seen. And I'm bringing my friends along with me. Uh, what's happening? What's happening? <laughs> I mean, I You've knew seen Jaws. <laughs> I've seen Jaws. Like I knew it before, but now that I've seen it, it like really like it just sounds a little bit different when you sing it. You know, like it just sounds a little different. Yeah. Um, uh, now I now I fully endorse you just referring to it as the dun 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 song. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know. I, I looked it up and it is just called like main theme from Jaws, but I've been <laughs> calling it the Dun Dun song, which I think everybody knows, unless you're thinking the Dun Dun from Law and Order, like very different Dun Dun. I mean, that's not really a Dun Dun. That's more of a Kung Kung, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really hear a D when I, when, I, when I think of that sound effect. Oh, interesting. See, I hear it yeah. as Dun Dun. And so now, now I've, I guess I'm hopeless i don't know there's so many dun duns in my life now that i've seen jaws what am i ever gonna yeah. do with myself yeah that oh, song man. is it's it's not used sparingly it comes up pretty often oh yes and i have a lot of thoughts on the use of music in this in this movie that i would like to hit as we go through the plot but before i do that i have to do my tradition of trying to summarize this entire movie this two hour long movie in 30 seconds will you time me Absolutely. I've got a timer right here. So, oh, ready? thank goodness. Okay. Set. Go. 
Okay, so there's a spot on an island and it's a resort and everyone comes there for the summer and it's really great because we all lay out on the beach. But then this year there's this big shark attack because there's this naked girl in the water and she dies. And so the chief of police is like, oh my God, we have to close the beach. And the mayor's like, no, we have to keep it open because I don't care about death. I just care about money. Mwahaha. And they didn't care. So the chief freaks out because he's like, no, there's really some shark attacks and some other people die. And I think a dog dies. We're not quite sure. And then they keep trying to go find and kill the shark. And then they try to kill a shark, but it's the wrong shark. And they go out with a creepy guy named quail or whatever Fine. and oh i didn't yeah, even get you got to through the, the first half of the movie up. basically oh it was such <laughs> a good first half of the movie though it was yeah such there's a good first definitely half. two very distinct halves to this movie like the first hour is kind of you know them on the island dealing with you know the greedy mayor and everything and then the the last hour is kind of almost like the swashbuckling part of the movie yes that's what i was gonna say is it's like part like the second half of it is an action adventure movie and the first part is just kind of like a i don't want to say a drama that gives it a little too much credit but it's certainly not quite the same vibe well i mean i think we should give this movie all the credit in the world um (laughs) because of how influential it was and it create you know it created the modern blockbuster we you know all the blockbusters you've enjoyed in your life would pretty much not have happened without this movie like this movie created created the the summer blockbuster star wars kind of came along and cemented it a few years later I will definitely admit that when I was like hitting play, I, I don't, I, and I know why I thought I was getting into like Sharknado. Like I was prepping myself for like cheesy animatronics, like cheesy blood effects. And I think it's because all of the other shark movies I've watched have been really, really bad. Like, oh no, the shark's attacking, run away. But this was like, you know, pretty believable. And I mean, I, to put myself back in like the 1975 mindset of watching like a monster giant shark on TV or on, in on the movie screen attack these poor innocent vacationers. Like that is pretty scary. Yeah. And you know, I, you know, Jaws is definitely, you know, mostly responsible for those, you know, bad shark movies you've watched, even like in the immediate aftermath of this movie's release, there were a lot of copycats that came out. Um, Mostly, you know, pretty much all of them involving, you know, some animal, attacking tourists somewhere like there was one there was about a grizzly bear i think it was just called grizzly but i can't quite remember um the two most famous <laughs> ones were probably piranha which you may have heard of and there was another one called orca where they were hunting like a gigantic whale it actually starred if i recall correctly it starred richard harris the first guy to play dumbledore in the harry potter movies oh now i need to go back and watch that yeah, I've never actually seen it, but yeah, that would be a fun one to watch for sure. Well, we'll add it to the list then. Clearly, it's not well known if you haven't seen it. Like that's my cal, most of my caliber. <laughs> like, has Matt watched it? Okay, then it's worth my time. I am aware of its existence. <laughs> okay, well, more killer sea animals, I guess, is the next season. All killer sea animals. <laughs> oh man, I got to do all of them then. Oh man, like I mean, you have to put Sharknado on the list for oh, that too. T- definitely, definitely. Goodness. All right. Well, let's get into this movie. It does start with the Dun Dun song, the Dun Dun. But then we cut over and there's like teens being teens on the beach, which truly I wasn't quite expecting. I thought I was going to see a shark attack off the top. Um, We see lots of 70s hairstyles and clothing choices. Very solid to watch in the 2020s. Um, And it starts with, I don't want to say iconic, but like I think it's a it's it definitely sets the tone of the movie when we see this like drunk dude following this like kind of drunk 
pretty girl running into the water, going to go skinny dipping, and then we see her get attacked by a shark. It happens so fast. It happens it does. so Those fast. underwater shots are incredible. It's crazy. Just- I mean, it's super – I know. I knew that scene, or not even the scene, but just like the legs swimming underwater. I think everybody knows that, whether mm-hmm. they've seen Jaws or not. Um, but, you know, off the top, it's like, here we go. Killer shark. Yeah, I remember my first time seeing this movie. I think I was like 10, maybe 11 years old. And I was already really, you know, interested in Steven Spielberg. I'd gotten into watching movies. I'd seen a bunch of his movies. And so there was a book in my grade school library that I checked out probably half a dozen times and read through as many times. And they described the opening scene in that book. So I thought I was ready for it when I first watched this movie. But I kind of assumed she would just get like pulled under and it would just be, that would be it. Mm -hmm. I was not quite prepared for her to be like jerked around violently screaming, it hurts, it hurts for a solid minute. Yeah. And I found out how they actually did that because I thought that was her like kind of just pushing her, like pulling herself under the water kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. There were two crew members underwater that were pulling on weights that were attached to her legs and like truly surprising her and jerking her under the water, which I feel like is not the safest way to go about shooting the scene. No, but like, probably not. That's also probably half the reason why she looks so terrified is because she genuinely had no idea when she was going to get pulled under the water. And I mean, like none of the shooting of this movie was honestly that safe. It was the first movie ever to be shot out in the open ocean. Oh my God. So I mean- they're, yeah. So they're playing around with tides. That's why so much of the movie got delayed. That's why it went over budget. That's why it, you know, it took way longer to shoot than they thought it would. Cause they just kind of had no idea what they were doing. They were flying from the seat of their pants for a lot of the time. Oh my God. I mean, some of the greatest are made that way. They are. Yeah. I mean like the, and you know, one of the great things that is always pointed out about this movie is how you never see the shark until like halfway through. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of by nice, by necessity, the mechanical shark that they were going to use kept malfunctioning. So he had to create these very cool underwater shots in order to just imply the shark for a lot of it. And it works way better than it would to just have the shark, you know, leap in the air and like come down on her. Well, yeah. I mean, truly when we see all those like iconic underwater shots of like, we see all the swimming legs, it like, shows all the people like which one's going to be the target which one's going to be selected as like today's lunch by the great white yeah <laughs> so i agree that they're like much better i read that um steven spielberg called the mechanical shark the great white turd because it kept malfunctioning so yeah. it was a huge issue that. yeah that is too funny um but yeah so she, this is like a crazy opening scene it's like right off the bat like you said like instead of her just sinking under the water and being like what happened it's like she got murdered and we watch her get yeah when you i remember when like when we see her when we see her remains on the beach later your comment was well she's very dead she's very dead also that that hand that's like sticking out of the sand the dead girl is not a prop hand it's one of the crew the female crew members because steven spielberg didn't like the prop hand he thought it looked too fake (laughs) so they actually buried this poor crew member so that was a real person so she was not very dead she was very alive just looking very dead but yeah, they find her body and we find out it's because of a shark attack. Dun, dun, dun. And the chief is like, I got to solve this entire problem for this small beach town. But of course, we see the evil mayor. He's kind of painted as like the villain, but not as extreme. And he's like, no, we're going to keep the beaches open. <laughs> like We just yeah, like uh, You know, thank God we live in a world where, you know, our governments don't, you know, put the safety of the populace. I know risk for, you know, for the sake of the economy. I mean, can you imagine if we lived in that world right now? God, how awful would that be? It is pretty insane. (laughs) Like, 
I I get why he wanted to keep everything open. Like it doesn't like and they make the most money when the people go in the water, so we have to put people in the water. Like it just makes yeah. sense. So now in the book there was a uh, a famously excised subplot from the book where one of the reasons that he wanted to keep the beaches open was because the town is actually under mafia control. What? And yeah. And so if there was, I, now I haven't read the book. This is all from like reading other pieces on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe that, yeah, one of the subplots in the book is that Brody has to actually investigate his ties to the mafia. And he discovers wow. that's why he's trying to keep the beaches open. Yeah. How come that, that what now I know I've never seen Jaws 2, but you gave me a little briefing on it earlier after I watched Jaws. I why isn't that the plot of Jaws 2 instead of like <laughs> there's another evil shark? Like, I feel like that would have been a good movie. I would have so watched that. I mean, would you have preferred like just the mafia without the shark or could we have another shark and have the mafia? Ooh, that's a great question. I think I want it to be mostly mafia with like subplot of shark. Like, oh yeah, and there's a killer shark again. Darn. But really it's the mafia. <laughs> Maybe the mafia train the killer shark like at SeaWorld. Oh, I mean, my God. Bam. I, I just mean, wrote Jaws does, 2 and a half. That does sound – that might have to be Jaws 5. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Steven Spielberg, call I mean, me. I'm free. I mean, Spielberg was not involved in any of the sequels, so he's probably – I think he washed his hands of the sequels pretty thoroughly. Oh, that tracks. Oh, that very yeah. much tracks. Well, maybe he'll want to join me for my Jaws 2.5 or Jaws 5 idea. Mafia. Amblin Entertainment on the phone. <laughs> Heard it here first, folks. Take a look. Take a, yeah, take no one steal that. No one steal that. Copyright. No, TM, copyright. TM, 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 TM. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to ask Sean to cut that part out so that nobody steals my great plot idea. But in any case, we are back on the beach. The mayor is like, no, we're going to keep this place open. Chief is feeling a little uneasy. And then we watch like the chief be the most popular man in town because everybody is asking him favors while he's just staring like into the ocean waiting for another shark and he's definitely haunted and of course we see another shark attack um and to your point we see another implied shark attack because we don't i don't think we see the shark um in no. this scene. Well, you, you kind of see his fins a little bit like you see him kind oh, of like you true. know swim at, yeah you see you see the fins uh very briefly but you don't like see the scary shark teeth yet Yes, that is a good point. Um, in my notes, I wrote in all caps, the dog died, more da na 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 kid dies, and there's a lot of blood. And I feel like that's all you need to know about that scene. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of blood in this movie. For a, a night. This is, this, is in, this is rated PG in 1975. So like PG today is kind of like, hey, parents, just so you know, some of the cartoon characters might fart some in this movie. <laughs> and your kids will probably make some uh, will probably make some pretty crude jokes. No, back in the day, like PG meant parental guidance because we might scar your children for life. <laughs> I just can't believe it. And at this point, there was no PG thirteen rating, so they couldn't even say no like, PG-13. "Oh, no. this is a little is bit of trivia." Though Steven Spielberg um, <laughs> was famously partly responsible for the PG thirteen rating because of um, Jaws. Actually, no, because of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And wow. also Poltergeist, which he executive produced. He did not direct Poltergeist, or actually there are rumors that he did, and it's just credited to Toby Hooper. Um, but two movies that he was involved with uh, pushed the limits of the PG rating. I mean, honestly, Jaws would, might be rated R today. I'm sure. I don't know if it would be PG-13, yeah. Because there's a lot of blood in this movie. 
Um, so everybody's freaking out because of all of the blood and they have this kind of like public meeting, I guess, because this town is so small and they decide that there's going to be a $3,000 reward for anyone who kills this menacing shark, which kind of bothered. I mean, I know plot point that should annoy me is shark attacks, but also it annoys me that the main plot point of this entire movie is there is one evil shark and he is the shark that we need to find. And he is responsible for all of these killings. Like we just assume it's the same shark. And like, right. So, I mean, I think the, the Hooper character kind of explains that, you know, later on in the movie, how, you know, this is a shark who has, you know, wandered this close to land and now knows that there is a, you know, so- food source here. So it's not going to go away. They can kind of safely assume it's one shark just because that's the way that sharks operate because of their territoriality. That's fair. Um, yeah. I mean, I did get to work with, this is a shameless plug that I'm sure will get cut from this podcast episode, but <laughs> when I had the chance to host and produce Well Said, the UNC uh, storytelling podcast, I did get to speak with someone who studies sharks and he told me all about how shark attacks work and how they're not actually that common. And it's really just sharks kind of responding to the fact that like, hey, someone's in my environment and this is scary. Like they're just trying mostly to protect themselves. It's not like a shark, like- actively seeking humans. Right. And like, like Jaws, Jaws is certainly responsible for more shark deaths than it is people deaths. <laughs> and, I could know, imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> I could absolutely imagine that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then we meet um, the one of the creepiest men in the world. Quint. Um, Quint is such a badass. Quint, who I called Quill during my 30-second recap out of sheer flustering. Um, yes, he is kind of sketchy very typical fisherman he does this like nail on chalkboard moment which was famous shot love that shot Mm, don't love it (laughs) yeah you cringed quite hard i did and like oh i should we didn't talk about how listeners we did matt and i got to take advantage of the fact that we do live very close to each other and we're able to socially distance and watch this movie at the same time so matt had the pleasure of watching me watch this movie um so i'm sure he'll jump in with a lot of ridiculous moments that i caused i mean it was mm, wasn't fun uh and so he basically is like oh i'll go i'll go find him and i'll kill him but you have to ten thousand dollars i was gonna say i'll catch him for three but i'll kill him for ten the thing that was kind of weird about this scene is like everyone kind of looked at him as though it was like who is this man and seemingly like you all have been here a while. This dude has clearly been here a while. Like, why are we all so surprised? Creepy fisherman dude is ready to go kill the shark. I don't know. Now, I get the impression that he's kind of a recluse. You know, he lives out in, I assume, I, I mean, I guess I just assume he lives out in that shack they show where he's got all the shark teeth and everything yes. hanging on the walls Which is later bananas. on. Yeah, so there's actually a deleted scene where you would have met him earlier than this scene. And you can actually see this deleted scene if you watch it on TV sometimes, where they show him going into a music store and buying like piano wire because the fish choke on it. And there's a kid in there who is like playing his clarinet. And he's playing Ode to Joy on the clarinet and Quint kind of goes over and just starts humming along Ode to Joy to try and mess the kid up. So this is definitely a guy who like lives in the area. He is known, but he is also probably avoided by most people. But I feel like if I was in that room, I'd be like, yep, go for it. Like, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Sounds great. (laughs) Like, I'm going to be over here on the beach and not being hunted down by the evil shark. 
But I mean, people definitely try and earn that $3,000 as oh we later God. see. Oh my God. There's like this mass. It's like, it reminds me of the scene in Beauty and the Beast when Gaston is rallying up the townspeople and he's like, there's a beast in the tower. We must go kill the beast. And they're like all with their pitchforks and they're singing about it. Like I wanted this a little bit to be a musical, like this moment. Is there Jaws <laughs> the musical? I feel like this is another opportunity. TM, 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 copyright, copyright. Like, well, I mean, I think you've kind of skipped over one of the one of the better scenes, like the, the kind of the first people to go after the shark, the guys who like throw the meat out over the pier, and then the pier just gets demolished. Oh my from goodness! I can't believe I forgot. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean that's basically what happens. <laughs> and they like find the sh- they like basically find the shark, but he almost dies. Charlie, swim to me, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, and he's just like, can we go home now? Yeah, and it's like, yes, you can. <laughs> that's like such a. C- I wonder why that stayed in. Like, <laughs> in the. I mean, it's skin- a great scene. It's, it's hilarious, but it's like, yeah. oh yeah, I guess we did need another thrilling moment because we just watched yeah. a kind of a death. And they do reference it like right after that, where like they're walking and they're seeing everybody who's going out on the water. He's talking about, yeah, old man, you know, had to go home and explain to his wife why all her cold cuts were gone. Ah, uh, yes, because he's like, this is my wife's roast. It better be worth it. It's like, did you think yeah. the shark was going to be like, oh, hello, I see you dropped your roast. I brought it back to you. Like, that's not how this works, dude. Like, you. It's not going to be yeah. worth it. I mean, I think you just explained why we needed that scene in this movie. That's fair. <laughs> Man, Spielberg should have hired me. That is for sure. But in any case, we they we then meet. Oh, and then we meet uh, Matt Hooper, the researcher from the Oceanographic Institute, and he's like, "I'm here. I'm going to save the day. I know every single thing about sharks." And it's seemingly nobody likes him, <laughs> like nobody. And I don't know if it's because. People know it's like, you're not an Islander. Because there is a moment where they talk about like, oh, are you an Islander? Oh, no, I'm not. I'm from New York. Like, I think there's this weird like, oh, you're not one of us. Yeah. And he's well, he's kind of also walking around kind of just being a smart ass. Yes. But he's also right about everything. <laughs> so Right. But also yeah. nobody listens. They're like, yeah, but we could right. just go try to kill it. And he's like, yeah, but also that's really hard. Yeah, some of the best lines in the movie are his. We're like we're in in this scene where he's going, ah, they're all gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. When they're all, it's yeah. the mass horde of men just trying to go earn three thousand dollars into yeah. the river or into the ocean, rather, not the river. Mm-hmm. Um, so they act, we watch them go out in this horde after Matt shows up, and apparently they find the shark. It's like a thirteen foot tiger shark. Matt the researcher is skeptical at best and he's like fuck this noise he's like trying to push through the excited crowd as he's like with his little tiny tape measure trying to measure the width of the bite and the jaw um and i found out that that shark that they caught is not actually from the martha's vineyard area where they shot jaws because they couldn't find a shark that was big enough to suit the scene so they had to fly a shark up from florida (laughs) to make it into the scene so this was an imported shark and it was also decomposing oh, cool. the entire time <laughs> i mean there are like that in, in i mean case. that so, yes, kind that of tracks just because there shark. are not yeah gigantic sharks like that roaming roaming I honestly, been here that- well i truly thought that that shark was fake and it makes me kind of sad to hear that it's an actual shark that they were like well we can't recreate one that sounds silly let's just <laughs> get one from florida yeah, I did not know that that shark was fi- that shark was real. I kind of it's assumed it was real, fake as well. It's a real shark, and it is really in the process of decomposing, which it didn't look like it. Got to say, no. that guy for well, being I mean, a dead shark looks be, pretty good. Yeah, it's supposed to be freshly caught. 
Um, but it, of course, as we later find out, the bite radius is all wrong. Absolutely. It is all wrong. Um, we have like the scene of excitement. We're taking pictures. Um, I'm going to bring up a super small scene because it is relevant to today. The scene where the mother of the child who died in the ocean comes up and says and looks for Chief Brody um, and slaps him across the face. Uh, found out her name is Lee Fierro. She actually passed away April of this year from COVID-19, which is very sad. She did. So. Yes. I remember seeing that article on the AV club. She yes. was apparently uh, an acting teacher out on Martha's Vineyard and that's how yes. she got the playing this role. Mm-hmm. Which is not surprising to me, but also like very, very cool that um, mm-hmm. it was like local talent for lack of a better. Yeah. Phrase. All the extras apparently were local talent. I read another, um, I read another article from like a few years ago where like, uh, the the guy who played the the kid who got killed actually reunited with her like she came, she just kind of she just kind of randomly came into the restaurant he owned or something like that yes and there's like a sandwich on his menu named after his character who died which i think is like super morbid if you didn't know that the actor who played that kid was the owner of the restaurant it is um so anyway, moving for, moving on to the movie about death, um, <laughs> we cut over to Matt Hooper showing up to Chief Brody's house, like dressed to the nines for some reason. Not quite sure why we're wearing a suit and tie, um, but he shows up with wine and he's like, hey, I'm here. Let's talk about everybody that died. Like, hmm, real fun. Uh, and so basically he tries to convince Chief Brody like, hey, this is not the shark. Let's go cut him open and just see what's in his stomach. Like that's normal dinner conversation. And meanwhile, Chief Brody's wife is like, "So you're you do shark things? Tell me about all the shark things you do." Um. So they go. They actually go and try to cut the shark up like at night after dinner. They're like, "Well, we better do this right now." Um. So we watch him like cut up the shark. Now I could not confirm if. This shark we see in this scene that he is cutting open is also said decomposing shark from Florida. I'm going to assume the answer is no, but like, who knows at this point? Um, And so we see him pulling out like these disgusting like heads of fish, a license plate, like tin cans. And I would very much like to believe that that shark was now that I know that the first shark was real. I'd very much like to believe that that shark is real. And they just decide, all right, we're going to cut him open. We're just going to film it. Just improvise based on what you find on his stomach. Oh my God. That would be (laughs) torture, but that would be a great story. Really stellar. I guess we'll have to try to dig deeper. And Richard Dreyfuss just finds a a license plate in this shark's stomach and is just like, Oh, well, yep. And I mean, that's the thing, too. I forgot quite where actually where we're supposed to be in this movie, but he pulls out that plate from Louisiana. And so it's like, like the shark kind of had traveled, apparently, or it's like, or there was a car that was from Louisiana that was in the area, but whatever. It's fine. We can't ask the shark. He's dead. Um, so we decide, oh, no, it's not the shark. So what are we going to do? Um, the chief is semi-drunk tells matt i've never been on a boat i don't like boats i don't like water which this is like a thing that we drive home the whole time like his wife reminds us of it he reminds us of it multiple times he's like i don't like water i don't like boats i don't i don't like those things it's like well this is your life like this is where you live now so okay and it doesn't that's a very spielberg thing is to for the main characters to have like fears that they overcome like very specific fears too. Like, you know, Indiana Jones and his fear of snakes is another big example of Spielberg doing this. 
or like Robin Williams in Hook playing Peter Pan. Uh, you know, he plays a Peter Pan who is afraid of heights. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Mm. It's just a weird. I don't think it added anything to this storyline personally. Like sure. whether or not, like if he was like, I love swimming. I'm Michael Phelps. I don't think it would have made this story any different. No, probably not. It's, it's, it's definitely referenced heavily and it's referenced in the final line, of course, of the yes. movie. Um, yes. But uh, it doesn't impact the plot terribly. No, you're right. No. But in any case, even though he is, super not down to go on a boat or go in water. He is kind of drunk and Matt gets him on a small, tiny boat in the middle of the night because they decide they're going to go try to hunt the shark, I guess. Like the motive here was not very clear to me because they're on this dinky little boat. It's very late and the chief is drunk. So like, (laughs) what are we going to do here, boys? But I mean, I think we're showing Hooper's overconfidence just a little bit here. I mean, you know, he's always the smartest guy in the room. He probably thinks he can handle it. And but then, of course, they drive out there, and he's like, "Oh, there's another boat that thought they could handle said mm-hmm. shark, and mm-hmm. it's underwater, and the crew is also very dead." Yep. And they go and investigate, and we see this terrifying zombie thing fly out of one of the holes in the side of the boat and it was not fun did not like <laughs> i remember I yeah, that was not fun for you at all oh my goodness uh, i don't like fun story. Houses. it was yeah, it was mm-hmm. also not fun for my uncle my dad t- uh told me the story of when he saw this movie in the theater he went with uh uh my uncle and at that scene uh, my uncle got so scared that he threw his hands up in fear and like ripped the armrest oh right off God. the chair he was sitting in <laughs> i would have done the same thing it was like, yeah, it's a, no. And I mean, I wasn't even watching this movie on like a giant movie screen. I was just watching this on a regular old television and I was like, not down. And that head looked, the of all the fake limbs that we saw in this movie, that was like the most fake, but it still freaked me out. <laughs> so yeah, the timing bad. is great. It's a, it's a great suspense moment. Ugh, so awful. Um, <laughs> so then he finally is like, all right, we should probably head back. I don't think we can handle this awesome um so of course we watch matt like he said smartest guy in the room go up to the mayor and flip a shit on him freaking out saying like we have a problem we got to get everybody off this beach we got to close it down um i think we've already missed it just came back to me the scene where uh chief brody like goes into a convenience store and like gets his own paint and signs and like that's at the very beginning that's after they found the body of the first girl who got killed yes okay so we've already had the hysteria once over and now it's going to happen again um and And of course hooper is 100 right yes but the economy matt the economy that's right we need to keep the beach open at least one more person needs to die for this economy otherwise it won't be satisfied well more importantly this weekend is the fourth of july we need to keep mm-hmm. the beaches open. It's our highest like day of the year. It makes us the most money. We have the most visitors. And we see kind of like the visitors all coming in. So like really there is no there is no chance that this beach is going to get closed down. But then like <laughs> even though presumably a lot of the people that we see on the beach in the next scene, like everybody's here. It's 4th of July. Everybody's in red, white, and blue. There's tons of families on the beach, but nobody's in the water. So presumably word has already spread to like not only the people that were around for the first two shark attacks, but now to all these vacationers, like, hey, there's been shark attacks. It's not the most safe thing to go in the water. And there's so also definitely in. a massive police presence 
you know, yeah. floating around. You can, yeah, you know, they're all out there on the on the you know on the boats. You know, it, clearly something is off, even if you don't know that there was a shark that killed two plus people in this area in the past week. Absolutely, you know, something does not feel right. Right, it's like this is not like what's going on. Like you're waiting for something to happen, but we get a lot, and I, we had talked about this while we were watching the movie that these scenes, a lot of nothing is happening. Like we're seeing a couple families chatting. We're seeing a kid make a sandcastle. You know, we're seeing somebody put suntan lotion on. There's not a lot of things happening. And I think it's why you and I right now are talking through this plot so quickly is because there aren't too many plot points, even though I could not get through them in 30 seconds. Like Spielberg just chooses to fill a lot of time with – um I don't want to say nothing because I just said that, but like, yeah, to, it's I like mean, to say, to say nothing, yeah, I mean, to say there's nothing, I think there's actually quite a bit of activity going on, like, especially in like the first, in like the Brody's first scene on the beach, you know, for the second attack, you know, there's constantly people walking in front of, in front of him, obscuring his vision, you know, mm-hmm. he's trying to, you know, look out and see if anything is happening. And, you know, like in the, there's the one scene where he sees the, the girl start to thrash around and then all of a sudden he realizes, oh, it's just her boyfriend or whatever, who is, you know gotten under her mm-hmm. so he's filling it actually it's not a lot of you know scary activity but it's a lot of you know you know pretty normal activity mm-hmm. and it's kind of just you know setting the stage for this is a normal day at the beach that's about to be horribly interrupted right but you're also and i don't know about you but like i definitely felt on edge because i'm the audience i know this is about a killer shark i know the movie's not over so like i'm waiting for it and maybe it's that same anxiety i mean to get super deep but like you're feeling the anxiety that like Brody's feeling and Matt Hooper is feeling because they know what is coming or what could come. I mean, they don't want it to happen, obviously, but they're feeling, you know, pretty confident something crazy might happen because they have all this protection happening and they on on guard. Brody tells his son not to take the boat into the water. He wants him to go over into the pond area instead. So it's just a lot of of like Tense. Of course, tense. you know, shit does go sideways, yep. but there is, oh of God. course, a fake out. Yes. Oh, my God. Uh, so that scene is so interesting to me. I need your thoughts on this. This was such an okay. interesting scene. <laughs> you know, you have all the underwater shots that we're kind of used to in this movie by now. They tend to, you know, indicate that danger is afoot. Um, but conspicuously absent is the dun-dun-dun music. Right. And so, so when you true. see the shark fin and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, it's just a bunch of punk kids who decided to play a prank. Meanwhile, I still felt like, oh, my God, this is it, even though I didn't hear mm-hmm. the Dun Dun music. So it's crazy going back. And I mean, for someone like you who has seen this movie before, you knew it was kids to like notice something like that. I didn't like my subconscious did not even say like, oh, it's OK, like. Because there's was the Dun Dun music playing in your mind as you were watching? This it probably scene? was. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> like that is everybody knows that song. Yeah. I mean, when I say but song, then of I course, mean those two notes. Yeah, but then of course the song does play for real this time. Yes, but not before we see like the because tr- when the kids are r- playing that prank, we see this like mob trampling black friday back in 2005 moment (laughs) like everybody's running we watch old people get trampled unnecessary (laughs) i didn't need to see that i already watched a kid die and they already implied that a dog died like i didn't need to see trampled old man so we see all this crazy town but then we 
you know, we have this young girl screaming, there's a shark in the pond, but like barely screaming because apparently we can't scream loudly in this movie. I don't know. Um, but there is a shark in the pond and it's, I'm not gonna lie, I laughed a little bit when he's like kind of rowing. He's like, hey, you kids all right over there? And then gets totally wrecked. <laughs> yeah, it's headed right towards Chief Brody's son. Yeah. Um, and, you know, poor guy who stopped to just give them some sailing advice is yeah. now is now loses a leg and presumably his life. Oh, dun, dun, dun. This poor man. He's just trying to be nice. Yeah, it was just like, it was a kind of a funny scene. It was like, oh, man. You kind of saw it coming. Once you knew there was a shark in the pond, I don't know how you felt, but I did not think that the kid was going to get, like, his son was going to die. First of all, we have already seen a kid die in this movie. We did not need another kid. But then, of course, we could have had a great, like, Jaws 2 moment, Revenge of the Jaw, when... Like Brody finally mans up and decides, I am going to go in the water. I'm going to avenge my son's death. Like we could have really seen a twist in the plot. On yeah. that I one. mean, he kind of still does that anyway. The fact that his, you know, sh- his son is like injured and goes into shock is definitely mm-hmm. what prompts him to grab the mayor and say, hey, sign this thing. Yeah. He just is like, okay, I have changed my mind. You, mayor, need to sign this that we are going to hire Quint for $10,000. And he's like, yeah, but money. And then he's like, well, my kid was also in the water. It's like, great. Also, please sign this thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to hire him. Awesome. So then we cut to them like on a boat. We get to know Quint a little bit better. He's like very sailory. He's singing his little shanties and maybe is drunk. Who knows? Um, I mean, he's got that uh, apparently putrid, like, homemade booze that he tries to get Brody to drink there. Yes. Oh, my goodness. And I don't know if you've ever had someone else's, like, homemade Everclear, but it is (laughs) – it's hard. It's real hard. (laughs) So very funny scene. Um, I do love the subplot of these two kind of, like, my way versus my way. There is no compromise. Yes. Um, There is no compromise, like. I love when they have the little like uncomfortable like bro down where Quint like pounds a beer and crushes the can in his hand and then Matt like <laughs> chugs his small glass of water and crushes the plastic cup like it is uh it is pretty solid. Um, that is a great moment, yeah. And like, you know, they come together in the towards the end because they sing drunken sea tunes together. Yeah, but... they have that great scene at night where they're all comparing scars. Oh my god. And then we yes. get the famous uh USS Indianapolis speech. I yes, talk to me about the speech. I have a fun fact, but I think you have a fun fact too. Yeah, so this uh Robert Shaw uh helped write that speech and it is a true story um that actually happened and it was that story was actually the basis for another movie that was released a few years ago starring Nicolas Cage. The one and only. It is called USS Indianapolis Men of Courage. I have not seen it, but it has been featured on a few bad movie podcasts that I listen to. Uh-oh. So it's, it's probably not great. But, I mean, that might be a great project to watch that movie. I and- love all things bad movies. And I mean, Nicolas Cage plus bad movie, you can't go wrong. No, not at all. <laughs> I mean, I guess you can't go wrong because it's Nicolas Cage and a bad <laughs> movie. But um, that is very curious because we were talking about this as we were watching it. We weren't sure if it was scripted or not. Turns out it was, which is very, very cool. Um, I found out – because this is something I was thinking about. I'm like, man, he plays a very solid drunk man. Like I feel like playing – like acting drunk is really hard because acting drunk, you just kind of look dumb versus 
actually being drunk. So I kind of had a sneaking suspicion that he maybe had a little help with this, uh, this little piece. If you know, <laughs> if you catch my drift, um, oh, yeah. it turns out he tried that. Uh, and so they, Shaw asked if he could have a drink or if he could drink before the scene. And they said, yeah, sure. He got so incredibly wasted that he couldn't get through his lines. And so they had to reshoot the next day. So that's, we went a little, uh, I was about to say overboard, but I'll, I'll use it. Went a little overboard there. Uh, and so he had to actually reshoot the scene, but it obviously came out very, very good. Um, this is definitely a movie where almost anything that could go wrong did go wrong. They had the malfunctioning shark, which was, you know, kind of the star of the movie. Mm-hmm. They had to deal with all the tides that were making shooting difficult. And they, one of the stars of the movie was also completely shit-faced. Yes, I think it really is almost the true story of hunting down a shark. Um, So, oh, speaking of almost true story, I found out too that the ship that they're on, the Orca, actually sank for real during filming, not like during the actual sinking scene, but like during filming, the ship started to sink and they actually ended up damaging a ton of the footage that they had shot that day, but they rushed it to like the movie hospital basically in New York and they ended up saving it. So like talk about, like you said, real life, like everything that can go wrong will go wrong. Like they almost lost a whole day's worth of shooting because they, they sank their boat. So this, I don't know how this movie did so well considering all of these signs of doom, but here we are. Sometimes it's just meant to be. I guess so. I mean, it's lasted this long. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. So anyway, they're on the boat. They do all these crazy things. Um, they're as Quint has his like reel uh, hooked up to the side of the boat and it starts clicking. And now we've got some tension building because, oh my God, we caught the shark. The shark goes under the boat. It goes next to the boat. The line snaps. Like there's all these almost moments from kind of this point forward that kind mm. of lead towards the end of the movie. So we first have this one where we almost get the shark, but then the line snaps. Then they shoot him with a harpoon and they have the barrel that is supposed to um, kind of keep him afloat and prevent him from diving, but he slips away from that. He comes back. Like We see this kind of back and forth of like, when is he actually going to get this shark? Is he going to actually get the shark? Um, we also have the, we're going to need a bigger boat line, which I learned yes, from okay. this movie. That was, that was the <laughs> best part of this viewing experience for me. Was you having the realization, oh, 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 this is the you're going to need a bigger boat movie. <laughs> yes. Like when- I, it's, I, I kind of had a feeling this was the boat the, or the movie for that line. I was just unsure, like, what was going to be happening around it. I thought maybe, like, the shark was going to, like, jump up Free Willy style and we would be like, oh, my God, we need a bigger boat. But And I was no, close. it's a much better moment than that. It much is better. better moment than that. It is yeah. much better. Um, yeah, I that did... was a very satisfying moment for me. Realize <laughs> you're going to need a bigger boat movie. I am so glad that I could bring you joy. Um, I did find out that that icon- now iconic line was actually ad libbed. Like that was not in the script. And yeah. I guess during screen tests, um, the audience were like freaking out because they see this giant shark. So all of the screams of the audience drowned out this line. And so Spielberg went back and like re-edited that piece so that you could actually hear, we're going to need a bigger boat. Um, and an immortal moment was born. It's serious. I think he it's knew. Like, he knew. It is like a work of just understated genius, that line. <laughs> it's, I mean, it. it just has so many meanings in within so many different contexts generally yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like they're houston we have a problem 
<laughs> yes, that is a great point. And again, another iconic line that I will use for the rest of my life. Um, but this was a part I actually wrote a note to myself as we're seeing kind of this back and forth between basically the rest of this movie kind of goes dramatic shark scene, bro scene slash character development, dramatic shark scene, <laughs> bro scene slash character development. So in this whole piece, though, this whole I would I would say almost second half of the movie, maybe a little bit the, the last third of the movie, the music is like adventure It's like, mm-hmm. we're going to go get the shark. It's not this tense, oh my gosh, we are up against this man-eating machine that is this yeah, unknown it's very, in the water. very swashbuckly. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And I mean, like, Quint is kind of a pirate character yes. as well. Like, like I mean, cause, I mean, one of the big influences on this movie that Spielberg has talked about is, you know, it's highly influenced by Hitchcock. Mm, okay. But I think you can also see, you know, in this last half of the movie, you can definitely see like the old, you know, adventure serials creeping in that of course he would later adapt and, you know, use his inspiration for the Indiana Jones movies. Yeah. You definitely There's... feel that. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. So it's, it's very like, we're the three musketeers. We're going to go find this shark and there's points of drama, but we're going to avail. But they kind of don't. Um, There's an attack on the boat. And then this is like, again, another attack on the boat. At this point we have, I believe one, but one barrel, maybe two in the shark at this point. It's hard to keep track in my notes because it keeps going back and forth between happy moments and scary moments. Um, (laughs) But they, start the shark starts attacking the boat it kind of starts to uh fill up with water a little bit like now we have lots of threats because not only do we have the threat of the shark that we cannot kill for some reason we have now our boat is sinking but instead we're gonna like drink and get super wasted and sing songs but it's fine we have priorities um uh i mean i do i do think that the boat that the boat does not start sinking until after that scene i think it starts sinking like on the on the next day that's what i was confused about because like the shark attacks the boat and we see kind of some cracking and some water coming in and i'm like wait doesn't this mean the boat's sinking but apparently we were still good for a while there there, there is a moment where he get where he goes we're gonna sink aren't we (laughs) and it's like well yeah yeah i can't quite remember when that when that comes in but yeah and so, yeah, the boat is sinking. So what's the only thing they can do at this point? Get, get wasted. the shark cage out. Oh, never mind. Oh, I was going to say get the shark cage out. Priorities. <laughs> I mean, that's too. That's too. <laughs> also get wasted. They do that. Yes. Yeah. So at this point, they when they get the shark they cage out, um, they, you know, they get wasted. They sh- share their scar stories. Matt Hooper has this really stupid line where he's like, she broke my heart. And I'm like, that's very, very <laughs> Um. So then we've got more like dun dun music. I just keep I, I'm looking at my notes now, and I just keep seeing dun dun music, dun dun music, dun dun music. And so clearly, <laughs> we are in the dramatic part of this adventure movie that we're watching. This is actually where the shark starts following the boat. Like they are trying to, um, they're trying to kind of like lure the shark back to shallow waters yeah, to they're, essentially... they're trying to drown it i believe as they as they yeah, say so they're trying to say get it close enough so that it's going to like beach itself basically yeah so they're like trying to outpace this great white shark um and clearly that's not going to work right like they burn out the boat you kind of have a moment and i literally just watched titanic so i'm feeling a very similar vibe of like we need to make this boat go faster and it's like no we can't push it that hard it will break and sink and it's like no we have to like it was like a very similar moment for me um and so they burn out the boat unsurprisingly 
and I wrote in my notes because right before this, we have Brody trying to call the Coast Guard because he's like, fuck this, I'm out. This shark has barrels in it and it's still not going down. Like, we got to call the Coast Guard. And Quint just is like, nope, and smashes this thing. Now, granted, we have gone hours, almost maybe days, day, without communication, seemingly, because he broke the communicator. And nobody has come out looking for them, presumably. Like, we don't, we're cool. Like, we're just like, eh. I mean, I, so I think that he he destroys the, the radio. And I think that's on the same day that Hooper goes down in the cage. Oh, okay. I think that's for just, me, it felt I, like I believe years. that's. <laughs> yeah, I believe that's just hours before that happens. Okay, that's now I'll one of the inciting inc- Yeah, I think that's one of the inciting incidents that leads them to deciding that Hooper needs to go down in the cage. Yes, because absolutely. They have, because they're they're dead in the water. They have no communication. They have no way to get out. So the only way they're going to survive this is if Hooper can go down and kill the shark himself. Absolutely. And so he goes into his shark cage, and of course, I googled. How did they shoot the shark scene in Jaws? Um, because this <laughs> oh, is that one shark scene. Just the one. There was only <laughs> yeah. one in this movie. Um, because this is 1975, and admittedly, as many can probably su- can uh, suppose, I don't have a ton of knowledge of technology in movies at this time because I don't have the cultural reference around it. And so I was a little like shooting this movie in 2020. There's effects. There's green screens. You know. There's everything you could want to shoot a scene like this and not have to even put a person underwater, let alone put them near a shark. But it yeah, turned I mean, they shot kind of they shot, you know, Aquaman where the basically the whole movie is underwater. And I don't think they went underwater once. Which is, which crazy. is kind of a ripoff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, also, I mean, if you're in the water, <laughs> you just get just get a little wet. Go in like a small kiddie pool. <laughs> anyway, we'll talk about that on the Aquaman's uh episode of this show. Oh god forbid. Uh, <laughs> so I found out that they did they flew out to Australia to shoot some like B-roll of actual sharks to weave into the scene. Why Australia? Couldn't tell you. Don't know why we had to go all the way there. There are sharks everywhere, but they decided to go to Australia. Um, and they decided to shoot like sharks swimming around so that they could get B-roll of kind of a more authentic looking shark swimming and looking menacing instead of like an animatronic shark like being pushed in the water kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um and they actually brought a cage out and they did put an actor in it, but they won. <laughs> this is what I think cracks me up the most. They're like, "Oh, we need to make these sharks in Australia look bigger. So let's hire a 4 foot 9 horse jockey, stick him in a smaller cage as a stunt double <laughs> and just make people <laughs> make people think that the shark is bigger because everything else is smaller." Um, and oh, honestly, that kind of rules. I did not know that. Like, and I kind of felt this vibe, like when I was watching the scene, I'm like, that doesn't look like him. Like his face doesn't look the same. But I'm like, well, we've seen him with glasses. So I just kind of let it go. But now it's like, oh, that was so not even close to being him. Like I mean, it was, his face is mostly obscured by the, by right. the, the scuba gear. And well. I think that's why they were like banking on it. Um, mm-hmm. So that is, I think, hilarious. And then when they were doing these uh, these days in Australia to shoot all these scenes, they were trying to get the shark to attack the cage, obviously, because they wanted some B-roll of a, sh- a true shark attacking an actual cage. And they were trying to coerce it with bait. But these sharks were, like, super apathetic, I guess. Um, and they just, like, <laughs> would not actually take this bait. So, huh, that was... At that point, I, get, I wonder if, like, the crew just goes, man, the premise of this movie is flawed. 
<laughs> yeah, do they call Steven Spielberg and be like, hey, man, I don't think sharks are like going to attack people. Like what? Um, so they were just like super apathetic. Maybe things are different in Australia. You know, they're just like chilling with the dingoes and stuff. Um, but the scene where the um, the shark is kind of stuck and like writhing uh, that you see in the movie, that is actually a real shark. And they did not like intentionally shove a shark within the cables. Apparently during this part where they're trying to get the bait in the cage to get them to attack the cage, a shark just swam on like over the top of the cage, but got itself stuck a little bit and just like flipped a shit. And so they kept, they were like, oh, we just got to take this. But the problem was the stunt double was not in the cage when that happened. And so I learned, this is like the coolest fact I've ever learned about any movie so far on the show. They actually rewrote the script because Matt was supposed to die in this scene. But they're like, well, wait, we really like this one piece of footage we have. Let's just write it so that Matt somehow gets out of the cage and saves himself. And that's why he's not in the cage when we see this happen. So like the oh, whole script changed because of one shark in Australia. <laughs> that is very cool. I, I did know. So he does die in the book. I kind of assumed that they just wrote him to live because Richard Dreyfus is just a much more likable character. That's as, fair. Or he, he makes it, he makes him a much more likable character than he was in the book. So they just let him live because, eh, we don't, you know, we see, you know, we see Quint die later. We don't need both of them to go, but okay. That is interesting. That's really, really interesting. Yeah. So like he wasn't supposed to, I mean, it was supposed to follow that plot line from the book and now Hooper's still alive, which is crazy. And so I actually took the time now knowing that to rewatch the scene. And you can very much tell like what is the animatronic shark. Obviously, any of the scenes where we see kind of like a demon shark like coming up to the cage, you can definitely tell that it's like the fake animatronic one. But you can mm -hmm. see like some kind of Discovery Channel type shots like of just the shark like swimming by and that's a real shark. So Go check it out. That's my really, really cool fact for <laughs> this movie. That ranks as a as one of the coolest facts, I would say. So. so, yes, Matt Hooper was actually supposed to die in the movie as well, but a shark in Australia saved him, which is very kind of cool. He owes that shark his life, kind of yes. ironically. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and they're they're so gentle. They're so gentle. <laughs> Um, but then we, he kind of gets lost for a little bit, but then there is like the, like, you know, we're like right at the end of the movie, it's the climax of the shark attack fight scene where it's essentially just Quint and, uh, Brody still left on the boat. Matt is presumably dead. What was that? Well, I mean, I mean, they think he's dead. We know he's still alive. Right. Absolutely. I was going to say they pull yeah. up the the cage and right, yeah. there's nothing in it and so they presume that he was eaten by a shark which is very sad but they kind of move on emotionally very quickly because the well, shark they're kind of forced to yeah. right <laughs> the, shark has a, the, the shark has officially had it with all this shit it was playing yes. around before but now it's done and again back to my earlier point about like a shark is evil like this is the plot point that like of all of all plot points that's really annoying that it's like this shark i don't i'm not a shark expert just to put it out there. But I have to believe that a shark would not be like, these men, I'm going to finish them off. Like, I don't no, think but I do. But work. I do think there's something to be said for the fact that the shark would recognize that it's being hunted and it's, you know, it's, you know, because it's had, you know, harpoons shot at it. You know, at least, you know, roughly half a dozen harpoons have been shot into the yeah. shark. Those things probably hurt. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. And, <laughs> and Matt so, was trying to like stab it when he was in the cage. Right. So I think that there is something to be said for the fact that the shark is aware that this gigantic floating thing is trying to kill it. Mm-hmm. And That's now it's true. going to try to kill it back. Right. So he's fighting instead of mm-hmm. flighting. Yes. Because he's a shark. And he just kind of demolishes the boat in kind of like one fell swoop almost. Yeah. So like I said, they have to emotionally move on very quickly because they are about to die. And unfortunately, Quint cannot survive because the shark no. attacks the back end of the boat and kind of starts to sink it. And it just, it was a, a real... Yeah. It he was suffers a, a, again, a very gruesome death for what we would consider a PG movie. It was, it, I mean, there was blood coming out of his mouth. Like... And I know that that can happen when you die, when you're bit by a shark, I guess. But, like, I didn't need to see that. That was a lot going on. Yeah. As we've, as we've said several times in this, in this episode, uh, Quint now is very, very dead. He's so dead. <laughs> so, so dead. Like, so very dead. So many people died in this movie, in the making of this movie. I'm kidding. Nobody died I mean, in the making Fewer than you'd think, though, honestly. Like, the body count is not high. It's like... I want to say like the on-screen deaths are probably only like four, maybe five. I'm trying to think. That is true. There is, like I said, the implied uh, dog death, but yeah. Otherwise. And then there's the there's the dead body, there's the the severed head, but we don't see that person die. I, that I is think true. Only like I think there's only like four on-screen deaths in this movie. That's a good point. And see, that's the thing is going into this movie knowing it was about a killer shark. I thought I was just going to see like left and right like people dying just like i don't even know who that character is and they're dead like that kind of a vibe but you're right we really didn't see too many so that's i think maybe why the tension was high the whole yeah definitely because it wasn't i don't want to say it wasn't predictable but it wasn't so haphazard yeah and all these things no it's very it's a very deliberate movie (laughs) every everything is deliberate i think that's a really good way to describe it because even going back to like talking about those scenes where we see it's a normal day. Like all of those shots were deliberate. Like even though there's not a lot of action happening, like, Oh, it's, it's setting the scene, but also building tension at the exact same time, which is really crazy when you think about it, that you can build tension with watching a kid building a sandcastle. Yeah. It's masterful. It's, it's, there's those scenes are really, really masterfully done. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although I, I was wrong, so it's not. There's not just four on-screen deaths. There is one more big one that we have to get to. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> so I was going to say. So then we see Quint die, sadly, mm-hmm. and the boat is slowly sinking. And this is Chief Brody's time, I guess, to like, as you mentioned earlier, overcome his fear of water and boats. Even though we are we are well past that, my friend, because we have been <laughs> in a boat and it is now sinking. <laughs> a little late for that, but. Like the entire movie. Um, all I wrote was such drama in all caps <laughs> during this scene. Um, it is just a lot of drama, a lot of like, when is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? Like, I don't know. As the audience member, I'm like, the the shark's going to die because all movies have happy endings. You know, that's what Disney told Well, me. he choreographs it pretty well because, you know, you see him, you know, shove the, the canister into the shark's mouth. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, okay, that's definitely going to be the mechanism by which the shark dies. See, here's the thing. You say it like everyone would have caught that. I <laughs> did not catch that <laughs> okay. at all. So as I'm watching and we see the shark swimming and I'm like, oh, you're going to shoot at it with this shotgun? Like, LOL. We just tried a million <laughs> other things. Like, good luck, bud. And then I even I even see the canister in his mouth. It does not 
put it together for me like at all. So what I have learned by watching this movie is that I would not do well in a shark attack situation. <laughs> like I would not be resourceful apparently. I I would not do well. I would probably end up being Quint, truly. So you put it together <laughs> that <laughs> the canister, because there was kind of a foreshadowing where Matt Hooper is like, dude, don't touch these canisters. They could blow up at any second. Who remembered that? Not me. Yep, definitely true. Chekhov's gun right there. Yep, yep. So he pulls out like a shotgun and then a line that I admittedly had never heard of, but I think this is kind of a famous line, the smile, you son of a bitch line. Oh my goodness. But yes, so there's drama. We see the the ship kind of sinking. It's like now flipped on its side and he's like leaning on the, and I don't know, and I know my producer, Sean, who sails boats is going to be so mad because I don't know what that thing is that sticks up from the thing and it has the sail on it and I can't remember what it's called and I know he's going to send me a message. It's called a mast. The mast. mast. <laughs> so <laughs> um, he like decides like, okay, I'm going to like climb up the mast and he's kind of leaning on it as it's sinking and it's like, this is your last shot and he does successfully shoot the tank and it's like, yay! But then there's this moment of like, truly, now what? We have a dead giant shark that blew up into, into small bits. We have shark meat all over the place. Um, we see the sh- ship is sinking. Like, what are we going to do? And he's just out there. But then, of course, who floats up to the surface? It's Matt. He's okay. Yay. Yay. He's okay. And, and I kind of st- love how they're just, how he just like, Quint, and he just goes, no. And they don't like mourn him at all. They're kind of just like, eh, he was kind of an asshole anyway. Again, we have to be, <laughs> because we're men, we just shove our emotions way down deep. <laughs> all the way down. <laughs> all the way down. All the way down. Honestly, I think I'd need to come up with another podcast, just how therapy would help so many male characters in all these movies <laughs> I've been watching. Because like, these plot lines would be so different with therapy. Like so, so much different. But I digress. I, mean, I would personally need a ton of therapy if I just went through what they did. Absolutely. I think like they kind of show it. they kind of show him just kind of like laying there on the mast as it's sinking, and you're kind of and I remember you kind of being just like, I mean, how is he just sitting there as like the boat is sinking around? I'm just like, he's probably exhausted. Probably. He's like, I'm going to take a minute. I'm going to take a minute before I swim all the way to shore. I've just killed a man-eating shark. Yep. I've just blown it up in like spectacular fashion. I need a minute. And I mean. <laughs> But I see again, I would not do well in a shark attack. I would be panicking, pure panic, pure panic. But then Matt shows up and he's like, hey, bud. They suppress their emotions for Quint. They get on like a makeshift raft out of the barrels. And he says, you know, I never did like the water. And then they just the movie just ends. And that's the end of the movie. It's the whole movie. It's an interesting, it's a really, it's a two hour movie. It's a two hour movie. And it's, and that is the end of it. It's just like, and that's it. They just, you just see them kind of kicking towards the shore and then the credits roll. It was a very interesting choice for an ending. Um, but you know what? I'm, I'm glad that I have finally checked it off the list. Yeah. I mean, where else are you going to go after you've blown up a gigantic shark like that? I mean, what more could you put into this movie? I think like, any like anything else would just be superfluous and would get left on the cutting room floor absolutely and again like like, i don't think we need like any scenes of them coming home like in the return of the king which went on for like a half an hour fair because they don't yeah yeah, they don't need 
Like, what's going to happen? The mayor's yeah. like, thank goodness we can keep the beaches open. Hooray. But it just ends. So I always try to help folks like me who have not seen the movie and want to make it sound like they've seen the movie by kind of highlighting the things that they should know. Um, so I think one of them is obviously we're going to need a bigger boat. And the context behind that is when uh, Chief Brody sees the shark for the first time, this killer shark, and is like basically a, I understanding hey, we literally need a bigger boat. It's not a metaphor. I know it's now used as a metaphor, but it literally is, we need a bigger boat. <laughs> and he says it a few more times throughout the movie too. He does do that. I mean, he yeah. he definitely wants to give up many a time in this yeah. movie, um, yeah. which I don't blame him. And I actually, no. I meant to bring this up. Why is the police chief on this trek in the first place? <laughs> I think, well, I, I, I don't have a great answer, but I mean, I have to assume, like, what else is he going to do? He's the police chief of Amity Island, you know, where, they're, where they, they, I think they state several times how, like, there's, like, no crime here. He's moved here from New York, and he's, like, not doing his, I mean, what else, what else is his job but to go out and hunt sharks that have been killing the citizens of his town? I yeah, I guess. Like the shark is probably the bit is probably the biggest criminal they've had in this, this town. This feels in like very decades. like this is like the epitome of other duties as assigned. Yeah, sure. <laughs> like go on a boat and go find a killer shark in this tiny, tiny boat with this creepy fisherman. <laughs> Fair. So that is a key point that you should take away from Jaws. Obviously, the score, I think it goes without saying, the mm-hmm. Dona 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 song. Um, but I mean, otherwise, you really got to see it for yourself. Like, I can't even accurately, like, portray the death scenes that are actually, like, not as hokey as I thought they were going to be. No, they're um, very well done. And it it's... I mean, really, if you want a really kind of niche moment to make it really sound like you've seen this movie, run your nails down a, a chalkboard and then say, I'll kill it for 10. And everyone's gonna be like, oh, you definitely saw Jaws. <laughs> or watch SpongeBob SquarePants. That's also true. Which yeah, there is, there, is a, there is a reference to SpongeBob. I, I, I can't quite remember the context, but there is definitely an episode of SpongeBob SquarePants where they, where they reference that scene. I was going to say now I'm just really excited to kind of see it in the wild because I know that this movie has been referenced kind of more subtly than like shark attack in the water in so many other places. So I am very excited to check that out. Um, Mm -hmm. And and now, now you know, anytime you hear you're going to need a bigger boat, you will think jaws. And that I literally need a bigger boat. And if anyone says, smile, you son of a bitch, I'm going to know that they're not calling me a son of a bitch. In fact, they're just trying to make my face explode. That's really what they want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, That'd I be, think- That would be a great, like, catchphrase if you were, like, if you were, like, you know, a family, you know, portrait, you know, photographer. If there's oh. a kid who's just, like, not sitting still, so just like, smile, you son of a bitch. <laughs> That's it. Chief, <laughs> Chief Brody's photography Cool. <laughs> That's Tag definitely what you do after he inevitably retires from from being the, the chief of police on Amity Island. That's well, no, and then he sets up just like a photo booth on Amity Island called "Smile, You Son of a Bitch." <laughs> I Jaws, love it. Yeah, Jaws three. You heard it here first. 
It was already been a Jaws 3, Jaws 5. Jaws, <laughs> it's, we're it's, at Jaws like 8 at this point with all these ideas. One of them's no. a musical. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Oh my goodness. Well, I think it definitely lived up to the hype. Thank you for taking me on this ridiculous adventure to Amity Island in the depths of the ocean. My pleasure. Track. I I'm so, so glad I got to be there for your first time watching this movie. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining Matt and I on this crazy ride. Um, In the show notes, we actually have a link to Matt's blog reviewing Jaws. So definitely go check it out. It's more of a retrospective than a review. I don't think, you know, the reviews are in. It's a good movie. Awesome. (laughs) Um, Well, I'm super excited. Definitely, listeners, go check it out. And I am very excited for next week because we will be watching Pulp Fiction. So see you then. Jackie Watches Stuff is supported by our listeners. I'd like to thank our supporters in the Academy on Patreon for their generous and ongoing support of the show. Thanks to Paul H. and Brianna S. and Jarrett S. Thomas S. and Linda V. and Missy V. Thanks again. If you'd like to join the Academy and get a shout-out for supporting us, visit patreon.com slash Stuff. You can also support the show by submitting a review on iTunes or sharing us with your family and friends. Jackie Watches Stuff is hosted by Jackie Vitrano and produced by me, Sean Flynn. You can find me on Twitter at WXGeek. Jackie Watches Stuff is available wherever fine podcasts are sold or listen online at JackieWatchesStuff.com. Send us your thoughts on Jaws on Twitter. We're at Jackie Watches. Thanks for listening. Join us next time when Jackie watches Pulp Fiction.